We are in our last, uh, our last week of our series in, in uh, Second Peter, in the first chapter of Second Peter. Uh, this one comes down to a little bit of a review from, uh, from Peter, uh, which is good. I think sometimes we're afraid to say some of the same things again and again. The biblical writers have uh, no such... Um, no such qualm or no such worry. I will say that, uh, make you aware of this. We're going to go into then a series beginning next week, uh, a, a series on kind of the core values or, or the core driving ideas behind what makes crosswinds crosswinds. Uh, we are still, of course, teaching the Bible there. Our, our ideas flow from Scripture. Our, our, um, our, our teaching flows from Scripture. Our values flow from Scripture. So we're going to spend... Uh, Actually, I believe seven weeks, uh, seven weeks talking about our vision and our, our values. So uh, that is coming up next week. This week, we want to continue in First Peter, uh, our verse, or Second Peter. Our verses this week are uh, beginning at verse 10. It says this, Therefore, brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election, and election. because if you do these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be richly provided for you. Uh, Peter is going to close out this paragraph and close out this, this section by reminding them of something that he's, been, that he's been saying to them consistently. Of what he said to them actually just in the, in the verses before and in this, this whole section. And, and he's going to wrap it up with, with this idea that we should confirm our calling and election. Why? Because if we do, uh, we will never, never stumble, and we will receive entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, uh, Jesus Christ. So, so we talked about, we began originally, the, the first week we talked about how God's divine power has given us everything we need, given us everything we need for life and godliness. We talked about uh, last week how even though we should, we should uh, put in uh, great effort towards godliness, great effort towards holiness, that even that effort, that effort is not, um, it is not founded in ourself, it does not come from ourself, but rather that comes from God's love and election and choice of us. And this week, uh, uh, Peter is even more specific. He says, therefore, brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. So we need to talk a little bit about, about those words and then wrap it together uh, to say, what does that mean? And so for a minute, I actually want to flip over to the book of, of Romans. If you know us, typically we'll stay in, in one passage and kind of dig into that passage, but, but I want us to kind of put our thumb in this passage and, and flip back to Romans chapter 8 uh, just for, for a few minutes. Uh, in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, it says this, uh, we know that all things work together for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, so that we would be the firstborn amongst, amongst many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. We need to talk about the idea of, of calling and, and, and election uh, uh, just briefly. Uh, Paul, Peter, sorry, <laughs> Paul here in Romans, but Peter in Second Peter says, you need to work out or confirm your calling and election. 
So we'll, we'll deal first with, with election. Election is the idea in Scripture that, that God, based upon his own glory and his only own goodness, which remember we talked about uh, earlier in, in 2 Peter, based upon his own glory and his own goodness, has, has elected or he has chosen us. Uh, he has chosen us not based upon our, our skills, not based upon our value to him, not based upon his, uh, be on, uh, our abilities, but rather based upon his own goodness and his own glory, uh, Peter says. And so election is, is the idea that we have been chosen by God for God. We don't have the passage, but Ephesians 1.4 uh, says that God has chosen us in Christ so that we might be holy and blameless in his sight. And it says that he chose us before the foundation of, of the world. It says elsewhere in, um, in Scripture, it calls us elect exiles. But the idea is this, is that God, before the foundation of the world was, before anything was, before you and I were, he chose us. He determined that we would be his. Further, he chose that we would be holy and blameless in his sight so that when, when he looked upon us and when he saw us, we would be seen as, as holy. That is election. He has elected us. Sometimes people have, um, have struggles with the concept of, of election. I will openly admit that it can be a controversial subject, a, a subject that people struggle with. Yet I would affirm that that. All throughout Scripture, I see that concept uh, uh, happening. It, even going from Adam and Eve to, to, to Moses to, to Noah to the children of Israel to, uh, to Abraham to coming into the New Testament, the disciples, all of those people are chosen by God. They, they are, the idea that God chooses for himself or calls for himself a people is all throughout Scripture, and, it, and it's consistent. And the good news about that is that God is, a, is an electing God. He's choosing some for himself. The greatest news is Ephesians 1-4, which again we didn't put up there, is that he's chosen us uh, for holiness and blamelessness in, in his sight. I remember the first time I ever heard uh, that verse or read that verse it being life-changing for me because there's a struggle sometimes, I think, in all of us where we're, we're constantly, we're, we're trying to live up to what we think the standard is. We're trying to live for Christ and then we, we get into a place where we're like, oh, am, I, am I doing it? Am I living up? It, what's going on with me? And when I happened upon this verse that said, before the foundation of the world, so long before I was, God chose me to be holy and blameless in his sight, that was life-changing. But election, which is a complex subject, but rather a subject all throughout Scripture, simply the idea that God chooses his followers and calls his followers. Jesus himself affirms this. You have not chosen me. I have chosen you, right? Uh, the, that idea is, is all throughout Scripture. Now, Peter says then you, we need to make our calling and election sure. So election is the bigger idea. Calling is the specific point at which we realize that, that our, our election, right? God has chosen us, but at some point in history, he called us. I believe I talked a few weeks ago about how I met Jesus as a four-year-old, how my mother led me to, to, to Jesus, how I prayed to receive him, how I confessed my, my sins, how I became a follower of Jesus. There was a calling in there. It's the point at which we, we, uh, we realize that we are called to follow him. It's where we become aware. So 
Election happening in eternity past before the foundation of the world being chosen by God. The calling is the point at which we realize this to be, to be true. And so we want to talk about that from, from this passage in, in Romans just for a minute where it says we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son so that we'd be firstborn amongst many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. This is the idea that God in history past has elected or he has chosen us, but he has also called us. He's not left us unaware. There's going to become a point in history where he calls us and makes us his. The great thing about his call is that his call is sure. I don't know if you've seen this going around Facebook recently, but there's a Facebook post that says something like this. It says, if you had one call to make, and if the person you called picked up, you would die, who would you call, right? So the idea is that in our day and age, it used to be when a uh, when some of us were little, maybe not all of you, but when I was little, we had only a telephone in our house. We didn't have telephones uh, every place. In fact, in my parents' home, we never owned even an answering machine. It was not that technological. The phone in the house that I grew up in uh, was on the wall. It had a rotary. It was a little thing that you spun. So some of you have never been about that life, but that's the life that we grew up with. But you had one phone, and if, you, if people called you and they missed calling you, they just missed calling you. They'd call back, right? We don't live in that generation anymore. We moved on to having, like, a, like some of you, we stayed with the rotary phone in the Drake home, but some of you moved on to phones that were... were, um, were uh, were hand uh, cordless. You had the cordless phone and you had those. And then some of you moved on to answering machines. And on the answering machine, the answering machine would answer the call and you could go and check your answering machine. But now, in today's day and age, most of us are carrying that. Probably everybody has one of those in their, in their, in their pocket. And if, if someone calls, you're like instantly available all the time. And so the debate, I, I say all of that to say, the debate on Facebook is who would you call if you needed someone to not pick up, like you're going to call them, if they pick up, you die. Who would you call? And it was funny to see who some of you said, right? Uh, two, of a, two of your pastors got called out as non-phone answerers in there, right? That's not entirely true. My wife and children can certainly call me. Uh, I answer most of them. My life philosophy has always been, if you call me, there better be a house on fire someplace. Because there's this nice little thing on this thing, a little green thing. It's called a text. You can send one of those. I'll answer that. You can email me. I'll answer that. You can send me a Facebook message. I'll answer that. If you call, it might get awkward. Right? And so there was a debate, but I'm not the only one. I'm not going to put it on another. I'm not going to tell you who the other person said was, but probably worse than me. Okay? So anyways, uh, and by the way, we're happy to be there for you on that. I promise you right now. I can ask me. Come to me and say, after church, will you promise not to pick up a call from me ever? I will gladly say certainly. 
okay? I need to ease into that. I am socially awkward. Um, and so that, that was going around, and I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about the way in which God calls us, and the way in which God calls us is different than, than, than a random uh, cell phone call. It, it's different than something you can, you can screen because you know that with the advent, that's the other thing, grew up in a generation. On the rotary phone, there's no caller ID. It's, it's just, it's, it's like roulette, you do not know who you might be answering a call from. That could be anybody on the end of that line. And if you're socially awkward enough, like I mean, you're like, who is that? Who could that? So it, it can get scary. But you had to answer because there was no caller ID. Nowadays, there's caller ID. Caller ID, you can look and go, I don't need to be answering that call right now. Right? Um, I have one child who calls me about 16, 17 times a day. Uh, and so occasionally... That one doesn't get picked up about time 15, right? I'm like, ah, not now. Text that. Put that in a text. But here's, here's, the, here's, here's the point that I'm ultimately making, is that the call from God is not like something that you can screen. And the good news is, is that you, when, when God's call happens, you will not screen it. It will not be the kind of call where you go, Nope, not going to answer. It's not the call that you go. I'm not. God's call and God's calling is not like a cell phone call in which we even have the ability to to pick it up. Because what I would suggest to you is that that spiritually speaking, all of us before God and before before our calling uh, and before uh, before He comes and to call us, we are all awkward enough and we are all in a place positionally in relation to God that if we knew that God was calling and if given a choice whether to pick up, we would make the wrong decision and we would not pick up the call that God was calling. But the good news is that God's call is not like something from a cell phone where you can go, eh, I'm not picking that up. But rather his call is sure. When God calls, you answer. And the good news is, is that his, his election makes your calling certain and your calling makes you, makes you desirous of following him. Whereas before that, you did not have that in your uh, in your life. In fact, you were not born to the desire to call him. You were not born sitting at home. It was homecoming week at Godwin Heights this week. Uh, that meant that there were lots of boys asking lots of girls to go to, to homecoming. Uh, I mainly only heard stories of boys asking many, many different girls and getting turned down by, by those girls and, and sometimes getting accepted by those girls and then those girls going, hey, I'm glad that we're going to homecoming. By the way, I'm bringing my friend Biff. Uh, and so weird, weird stuff happened in, in the homecoming world. But sometimes I've heard in the, uh, in the homecoming world is that you have the young lady waiting and hoping to be asked, pining away, going, man, I hope I get asked to homecoming. I hope that I'll ask me. Maybe she has, has a young man that she has deemed to be attractive. She's deemed him to be, be enjoyable. She finds him humorous and charming. And she's waiting for his call. And she sits by her phone, although that, that sentence doesn't, again, make any sense in our generation. Her phone sits in her pocket and she hopes that her phone will wait. That's not even how it happens uh, because they Snapchat this stuff nowadays, right? Uh, so the young people are out there doing stuff that, that I don't even understand, but they're sending messages, right? And so there are probably all kinds of young ladies out there waiting for a message from a young man and sitting and waiting going, I hope that this call comes 
I hope that it comes. What I want to say to you is this, is that you are not like a young lady waiting for a homecoming, uh, a homecoming invitation. You're not like a young lady waiting for what the, the, they call a promposal. A promposal is something that is way more uh, intense than any actual marriage proposal that I've ever seen, right? That's where kids somehow get access to all kinds of stuff that they shouldn't, like, like blimps and limousines and, and uh, marching bands so that they can ask another person to the prom. And, the, and, and there might be young people out there waiting. I hope I get this promposal. I'm, I'm pining. I'm waiting. You are not pining. You are not waiting. You are not asking and hoping that God gave you some extravagant invitation to, 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 to his homecoming or to his prom. You were not. In fact, you were born an enemy of God. You lived your, your life before him as an enemy of, of God. You did not want him. You did not desire him. You were not looking for him. It was not that, that your heart was inclined towards him. It was not that you were sitting at home going, man, I hope I'm one of those elect. I hope that, that he calls. I hope that I hope I wish. That was not the case. In fact, you were not looking for any of that you were, you were opposed to all of them. And the good news is that the call of God is, is so powerful and so amazing that in terms of your salvation, your election precedes your call. So God has chosen you. And upon having chosen you, he works in you and calls you. And that at your calling, you encounter the truth of his election, which has been sealed and settled since before the foundation of the earth. When he calls, you do not have to worry that you will miss that call. You do not have to worry that it goes to an answering machine. You do not have to worry that you'll accidentally screen it. You don't have to worry that you make the right choice. His call is sure because election precedes it. He has decided that you will be his and he is going to carry that out. That's how we know this. It says uh, here that he he has worked all things together for the good of those who love God who are called according to his purpose. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of the Son so that he would be the firstborn amongst many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined he also called, and those he called, he also justified. Predestination is another way to say election. That election in, in, in history or in time precedes our call. The calling is where God confirms in us the fact that he, he has called us. And so here's, here's what, I'm, what I'm saying is that if you're here and you know Jesus, it is because God has decided that you would know him. And that decision happened not based upon any of the things that we have talked about uh, in, in the previous passage, any of, those, any of those actions where we said live holy, not any of those actions where we said you should, you should ha- add knowledge, not the actions in First Peter where we said you should add to knowledge self-control and not self-control with endurance and endurance to godliness, all of those things that a believer is supposed to do. God did not choose you based upon your ability to do those things, not based upon your goodness at doing those things, not based upon any of that, but God chose you before the foundation of the world, knowing that apart from him and his election, you would never have the ability to do those things. But your election was sure long before you were born. Your calling happens in time, and at the point when you are called, your election, the blood of Jesus is poured out upon you, and you become now his child, and you become able to do things like add goodness and knowledge and godliness and self, self-control. So here's, here's all I'm trying to say from, from Romans chapter 8 is that, that God elects you and he calls you. And he does this wondrously, amazingly, 
apart from you. Meaning that he didn't, he didn't check with you. He didn't ask you. I'm going to use an example just real quick of, uh, on that so that you understand this. And I didn't think I was going to use this example, but I think it is the best example. So election was something I had a real, uh, that, that I had, I've always mentally understood this, but I didn't understand it emotionally uh, until I became with adoption, uh, involved with adoption. Adoption is the best metaphor for, for election, especially when you consider adoptions that happen when children are, are young. And so what often happens with, with adoption is this, is that a child is born physically into a family that cannot take care of them. And sometimes cannot take care of them is putting it really, really mildly, right? Oftentimes what's happening in that, that family is abusive, it's neglectful, it's hateful, it's hurtful. And so oftentimes what happens is you'll have children and infants born already addicted to drugs, born already addicted to alcohol, born already uh, 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 at a disadvantage in this world. And so they're born into a family and they're born to parents who for various reasons either do not or cannot love them in the way that, that they should. And so what happens then in, in adoption is an adoptive parent comes along. And what the adoptive parent does is, is say, I'm going to come along and I'm going to compel you or I'm going to make you into my, my child. How am I going to do that? I'm going to do that through the legal system of, of our country. So in, in adoption, we go to court and eventually in the court, the judge will declare the child that the parents are adopting to be legally their child. It's so, so legal, I've explained this before, but in the legal process, the birth certificate of birth is shredded and a new birth certificate is issued so that that, that adoption becomes identical in the legal sense, to a, biological, to a biological birth. And so you go to court and the judge declares the child to be, your, to be your child. And he declares the child to be your son. It happens because the judge has declared it to be so. And, and the adoptive parents enter into that and they take that child and they make that, that child into their own. So sometimes I hear people complain about election. They go, well, if God elects us, if God chooses us, that doesn't seem fair. Shouldn't we, have a, shouldn't we have a choice? We need to be able to choose. And what does it mean that God, it does, do we really love God? And is that love meaningful? If God compels us or if God makes us love him? I think that misunderstands the adoption metaphor in election. I do not know many adoptive parents who surveyed the child they adopted, the child who was being abused, the child who was being neglected, the child who was born addicted to crack, the child who was born addicted to alcohol, the child who was beaten, the child who oftentimes are sexually, emotionally, physically. I don't know many adoptive parents who went to them, especially if they were young, and said, now, do you want to love me? If you want to love me and you want to make a choice to love me, I will make you into my child based upon your yes or no. And if you want to, then I will take you out of your home. I will take you out of this abuse. I will take you out of this struggle. I will take you out of this pain. I will take you out of this if you want it. I do not know 
many cases where that has happened. Think of infant adoption and who would say to the, to the mother and the father who have adopted an infant from pain, from struggle, from abuse, from neglect, who would say to them who have adopted the child born addicted to crack, born addicted to alcohol, how dare you make that child your son legally? You didn't even ask him. No one would say that. Because I want you to understand that that is how election functions. In election, in God choosing us, he has rescued us from our birth family, right? Our birth family, we are born into sin, David says. We are born into doing evil. We are born into this king, the kingdom of this world. We are born essentially children of, of Satan, children of the flesh, children of, of death. We are born into that. God comes along and he rescues us from that. He elects us. From that, he compels in us then sonship. He says, I have called you today my sons, my daughters, because I have adopted you. That is what election is. And what I want you to understand just for a moment is something that I never understood until I adopted, is that God does not compel our love in election. He compels our sonship. And sonship leads naturally to love. That's what happens. But I have never met anyone who would attack the, 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 the institution of adoption. You should have asked that infant. Should have been. No one says that. To me, the election that God gives us, the, 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 the fact that God elects us, we were abused in our present state. We were born into homes that could not sustain us, homes that did not love us, homes that, that, that neglected us, homes that, that told us lies, homes that whispered all kinds of craziness into our ears. And God came along and said, and now I will adopt you from that home. I will take you out of that. I will take you from abuse. I will take you from neglect. I will take you from that, that, that pain. I will make you into my son. And his sonship causes in us and results in us love. And so I get sometimes that the concept of election is difficult, but I find that if we think of it in terms of adoption, we already have a, a system for understanding well what it is that God has done for us. So verse 10 then of Second Peter is where we're going back to. It says this. Therefore, brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. Because if you do these things, you will never stumble. What does it mean to confirm your calling and election? I think he's saying, repeating what he said earlier. He said, live like you know him. Live like it's true. <laughs> Act like you're your daddy's son, is what he's saying. I don't know if you've ever been in a, in a situation, a relational situation, where you spend, you spend time away from that person, you haven't seen them in a while, and you start to get these ideas creeping into your head that maybe there's a disconnect or maybe there's some sort of brokenness between you. Maybe you're not emotionally connected. It's why, by the way, in, in our culture, we talk about things like date nights and we talk about making time for our husbands and our wives. It's why we talk about spending time with our children because time spent with them, it, it confirms in all of us that love and that, that relational connection. And I think essentially what Peter is saying here is this. He said, you need to live into your relationship with Jesus so it confirms in you, so you know the reality and the truth of the fact that you were both elected and called, so that you know whose child you are, so you know how much God loves you. And so He's, he's, he's um, encouraging us not to live in relational uh, disconnection, but rather, rather to make every effort to confirm our calling and election. How do we do that? We do that by what has been said above. 
we do that by, um, by making sure that we make every effort to supplement our faith with goodness, our goodness with knowledge, our knowledge of self-control, our self-control with endurance, our endurance with godliness, our godliness with brotherly affection, and our brotherly affection with love. We do that when we do those things and we, we make sure that we make every effort to live out the truth of the gospel and the power of our, our calling, it, it confirms in us day by day, that we are growing into being our, our father's sons and, and daughters, that, that our election is sure. Sometimes we, we, we forget to do that. We forget to live like we're called, and we forget to live like we're elect. We, we, we say that we are, but we don't live like it, and we don't make every effort. And when we do that, we become relationally disconnected from the father. But secondly, when we, when we forget whose we are, Sin tends to creep in. So he says here, make every effort to confirm your calling and election because if you do these things, you will never stumble. Here's the interesting thing. I don't meet many Christians who want to sin. I meet Christians who do sin. I am a Christian who does sin. But I, I don't meet a lot of us who want to sin. In fact, when I, when I talk with believers and when I, when I share, whether it be in my huddle and my, with, with, the, with the elders group, with just with everyone, all of us want to grow in our faith and we want to be more like Jesus and we don't want to sin. But sometimes we're like, how do I stop? Why do I keep doing this? Paul, Peter's answer is to make every effort to confirm your calling and election by, by, making every effort to live a holy and righteous life as divined in verses 5 through through 9. And remember, we ended last week with the person who lacks these things is blind and short-sighted and has forgotten his cleansing from past sins, right? It's interesting that a lot of times we, we are frustrated with ourselves and upset with ourselves and we keep falling back into the same sins and the same sins. And part of the reason is we've forgotten that we've been cleansed from the past and we've forgotten to make every effort to, to, to be more and more like, like Jesus and that causes us to stumble. But if we will make every effort to confirm our calling and election, we will not stumble. But more than that, in this way, entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be richly provided for you. That's the good news, is that, that the, the hope of the kingdom is, not, is there for us. Not the hope as in, I hope it happens, but the confident expectation that there's coming a time in, in history and in reality when the Father will send the Son to return to earth to establish the fullness of an eternal kingdom and we will be with him forevermore we will receive joy evermore pleasures evermore as it says in in psalm 16 of of his kingdom but i i encourage all of us to continue to make sure that we confirm our calling and election by living like believers by working to be more like him by studying scripture by 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 applying scripture to to our life i pray that we would none of us none of us would reject reject our, our, our Father who has adopted us and called us. None of us would walk away from our Father who cares for us, but rather that, that in those moments where we're unsure, in the moments where we don't know, in those moments we would remind ourselves, I've been called by the living God. 
elected by him, chosen by him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. So in this moment, I may, I may sort of be stumbling, but I'm going to go back and make every effort to follow him. So I stumble less and less with the reality and the knowledge that there is one day coming an eternal kingdom that will be richly provided for us by the Savior Jesus Christ. There's coming a day when all things will be made whole and all things will be made new. And we'll get to live in the fullness of that. But our prayer for us now as we go into this, this fall time, this fall season, my, my prayer for all of us is, is, that, is that we would remember that everything required for life and godliness has been provided for us through the knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and his own goodness. It's his glory and his goodness that has elected you. It has called you. It, is, it has drawn you to himself. It has made you his child so that you may, by the way you live and the way you love and the way you act, confirm your calling and election so that we would stumble less and that we might look forward to the hope of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ richly providing a great kingdom for us. Pray with me. Uh, Jesus, uh, where I've confused and obfuscated, where I've made it just... just just a jumble. I pray, Lord God, that you would make it clear in hearts, that there would be something from that that would be impact lives, that would impact, impact hearts. Your word is true. You are true. You're an electing God, a choosing God, an adoptive Father. You are conforming us to the image of the Son. Your word says that you chose us before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in your sight. Your word in Romans 8 says those whom he, prede- those whom he, he, he predestined, he also called, those whom he foreknew, uh, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. You will make us like you. That is your promise. May we lean into the promise day by day. Lord God, thank you for compelling our sonship and our daughtership. May it result in a great love for you that we might, that we might know you more and more and, and not stumble but live in the truth of who we are and who we've been made to be. May this be the greatest um, season ever uh, for all of us in the way in which we follow, follow you and live out our calling. In your name, amen. We're going into a time of um, worship through offering, so uh, will you pray with me for the offering? Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for um, all that you've given. Uh, may, this, uh, may we give back in response to who you are and all that you've done for us. Uh, in your name, amen.